Amen. All right. So next week, uh, Brother Sparks is going to be here. That's our focus Sunday, so we won't be having our regular class. He'll be speaking in our class time and during worship time. Then, of course, we'll have a fellowship meal following and then an early evening service right after about, about 1 o'clock right after the fellowship meals. So keep that in mind. Uh, he's going to be speaking on technology and, and uh, in our lives and how we should be looking at it. I think it's going to be a great, uh, great day, a, great, uh, a lot of good information. And uh, if you're dealing with that, of course, you know, technology is good, but it is rampant with stuff, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, so I think that'll be a great, uh, great day to uh, learn, learn a lot about that. Um, so the other day I was driving down the road, and I passed uh, one of those churches, you know, that has the big sign out front, you know, and they put the words on it, and it said, don't let your worries kill you. Come join us this Sunday, and we'll help. <laughs> now, I'm not sure they got that right. Maybe they just ran out of letters. I don't know. But I'm not sure the meaning from that sign was what they intended. It's interesting. Sometimes we can do that, though, right? We can have good and best intentions, and sometimes they don't necessarily turn out the best or the way we intended. But that's, a, that's okay. We're not perfect. We have a Savior who has saved us, and we can, uh, we can uh, relish that. We can uh, live in that, and we can have good uh, comfort and, and, uh, and joy from that. And, of course, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been studying on prayer and how that plays out in our lives and how that adds to our abundant life, right? And remember at the, at the end of John, the book of John, when we were studying that, what did John say there at the end? He said, you know, I have, these have been written, so many words about the Lord, and so many things that weren't written, but these have been written that you might have everlasting and abundant life. And he meant abundant life here on earth, not just, in the, not just eternally, not just after this life, but here and now. And that's through him, through Jesus Christ. So we have that abundant life, that joy, that peace, that passes understanding. And one of the ways we get that is through our prayer life, right? It is so important to have a good prayer life. We've been talking about that, how we do it, why we do it, the principles of it, the power that comes from it, the privilege of prayer. And today, we're going to continue on, a, on the study of the practice of prayer, how, how we go about it, right? Last week, we talked about how to pray, and of course, we, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, how Jesus was asked by his disciples, teach us how to pray, and he gave us that model prayer, right? That prayer that we know so well, and we could recite just like it's the, on the you know, back of our heads, and it became something that we could see how we're supposed to do it. And the disciples, of course, were seeing Jesus pray all the time, going out by himself at times in a group together, and they wanted to know how to do it. Something about the way he prayed was different. They had been praying, of course, they're Jews, right? They're Israelites. They were understanding that they needed to pray to God the Father, but they didn't get it necessarily the way Jesus did. And so he gave them a model, gave them a way to do it. And then we talked about when, when we should pray. And we used some examples, right, of Jesus going out into the wilderness and praying all night long. And then at times doing something differently in a group, right? And we talked about how we need to have set times. We need to Make an effort, you know, just like anything else. You got to make an effort. You got to do it. You can't just let it fly, you know. I'll pray, you know, I'll do this and that, whatever. Make an effort. Make it a practice. 
And the more you do that, the easier it is to just do it and have that relationship with the Father. And, of course, we need to be able to drop at any moment and do and pray. You know, I've talked about that, right? Spontaneous prayer. There's times when we just need to do it to uh, solve a situation, perhaps. Make us have more strength, have power, perhaps. Because we just need it, right? Driving down the road. You ever been in a situation and you just needed to pray right then? Don't take your eyes off the road, but you had to pray. I've done that. Yeah, absolutely. Something came up. There are times when we just need it. But if you're out of practice, it kind of makes it harder to do it, doesn't it? It kind of makes it um, something that you feel a little guilty about maybe sometimes because you're not having that relationship. That's how we are able to relate to the Father, to the creator of the universe. So we talked about these things. Today we're going to talk a little bit about in that practice of prayer with whom or, or who we should pray with or, or should it be alone? Should it be something that we're doing uh, by ourselves and, and for what to pray? We're going to look at that a little bit. And uh, we, we've already referred to that a little bit uh, when we look at the Lord's Prayer. But we want to talk about that a little further. Of course, Jesus uh, is the master teacher. He, is he uh, taught us how to pray. And let's look over in Matthew chapter 6, read a couple things there that he says about that. When in relating to with whom should we pray? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, he says, yes. Yeah, yeah. So he was talking about how in the garden he said, My father, and uh, not my will, let this cup pass me if possible, but not my, not my will, but yours. Yes, absolutely. Those are both parts of it. In the relating to, he's, he's showing God glory, he's adoring the Father, and then also he's saying, But it's your will that has to be done. And we, we've talked about that, right? One of the main purposes of prayer is to align our will with his will. Yeah, we can ask things and we can talk about what we need and things like that. But ultimately, God knows. We were talking about that last week. We read some scripture. God knows what you need before you ask for it. But he wants you to ask. He wants you to seek. And those things are part of it, right? He wants that relationship. Well, what does he say about uh, praying and who to pray with? There in Matthew 6 and verse 5, he says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I love those two verses because he's basically condemning those who did it publicly for show. Imagine the hypocrisy of that, right? And of course, he's God. He understands the idea that you need to pray but he wants it to be a relational prayer, not something to do for yourself, to puff yourself up, to show how great you are, right? How eloquent, how good you are. That's the idea here, right? He wants you to say, he goes on to say, don't do it for that. Go into the inner recesses of your room. Go in your closet, your basement, somewhere where nobody can see you and pray because God will see you there. Interesting concept, right? Something we need to think about, right? Some comments you have there in your outlines. 
talking about how, what prayer is. One is prayer is a spiritual gym, gymnasium in which we exercise and practice godliness. Interesting quote. The pr prayer uh, is educated. The man who prays grows, and the muscles of the soul swell. Interesting concept, interesting phrase. And then the opposite can be true. Seven days without prayer makes one weak. That's Alan Bartlett. Interesting how prayer strengthens us, right? We talked about that when we were talking about the power of prayer, right? How, how that does something for us when we're, when we're worried, when we're anxious. Perhaps that sign on that church should have said, come pray with us on Sunday if you want to. Don't let your worries kill you. Come pray with us on Sunday. That's the antidote to anxiety, prayer. And I know you've experienced that. You had to experience it if you've had any prayer life at all, right? There had to have been times. Maybe it was a sickness, health issue. Maybe a job situation, financial situation. Maybe it was the loss of a parent or a brother or sister. And you had to have that prayer life to get through it because it was, it was tough, tough situation. We've all had that, I know. Some worse than others, I guess. There's probably some that have been through some things in here that I cannot imagine. And I really don't know probably how you got through it unless you had prayer. It's a great thing. You got to do it. You got to do it alone. Don't do it for show. Prayer, private prayer forms that close union and fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Do you have a close friend that you can abide in? Besides, you know, maybe your spouse, but beside your spouse, do you have somebody that's so close to you relationally that you can tell them anything? That's what we're talking about here. I know a lot of you probably have that. I know you have somebody that you, when you need to talk about something, that's who you go to because you trust them, because you know they're not going to go tell it to the world, because you know they're going to be passionate about what you have to say. Caring, understanding. That's what he's, the idea is. God wants you to have that kind of relationship with him that you can go into your inner room and talk with him. And you'll hear it. Just you and him. Time spent together. Time spent bonding that relationship. Having fellowship with the Lord. Really and truly, though, it, it's a true test, right, of our, our devotion. I mean, you know, it's easy just to stay busy and not pray. It's easy to go to work every day and come home and uh, fix dinner for the kids and, you know, clean the house, work in the yard, whatever it is. It's easy not to take the time to do it, right, because you got so much other stuff going on. So it takes a little devotion, a little sincerity to pray particularly alone yeah we come here on sunday and we pray publicly but that's just because that's what we do right we do it every sunday but nobody's going to make you do it when you're at home nobody's going to make you do it when you're alone nobody's going to make you get down on your knees and talk with the father on your own that comes from inside you and you're certainly not doing it to please men nobody can see you and you can't be trying to falsely impress God because he'll see right through that, right? It's something about that relationship where you're alone with him, pr 
private prayer, and uh, guess what? You're going to get rewarded for it. What do we just read there in verse 5 and 6? Those who do it publicly are going to get their reward. So the inference you can get from that is your reward is in heaven through that relationship you have with the Father. And if you're not practicing private prayer, maybe you need to be considering your relationship, right? Maybe that's something you need to be considering if you're not doing it, if you're not making that effort. The answers to our prayer are not always easily seen, and it's not always what we hoped for or thought it might be or wished for, but when you have that relationship with a father that you can go into your inner room and pray with him alone, people are going to see it. People are going to see the answers to those prayers. They don't know that you're doing it. They don't know when you did it, what you're asking him, what you're talking to him about, but they're going to see a difference. Maybe it's just in your life. Maybe they'll see changes in your life. Maybe you don't say things that you used to say. Maybe it's living a little cleaner life, right? Maybe it's um, treating others a little differently. People are going to see that because of that relationship that you have with the Lord. Well, of course, as I mentioned, it's not just pre praying alone. We need to be able to pray with others. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18, and let's see what's said there. Matthew chapter 18 and beginning of verse 18, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in their, in their midst. He says if you're together and you're in unison, you're in communion together, you're communion together, and you're going to pray, he's in his midst, and you're going to find an answer from what you ask. Romans 8, 31, turn over there and see what he says there. <clears throat> yeah. just saying there's some that would say you have to have two or more people to worship and then we could have a long discussion and, and a whole class on that that's right but yeah this is more relating to prayer and the intercession that Jesus will have while he's there with you because he's going to be with you but that doesn't mean you can't go in your own room and pray and he's not there with you then right he's hearing that prayer absolutely <clears throat> turn over to Romans 8 I want to read this passage verse starting in verse 31 Paul says, what then shall we say to those things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is, it is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. 
who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So that goes in with Matthew 18 there when he's talking about he is our intercessor. He is our mediator. And if you want to understand that further, all you got to do is study the book of Hebrews. He's our high priest. He's the guy that allows us to come into the throne room of God and stand before him or kneel before him and talk with him because of his blood, because of his cleansing blood that has allowed us to be sanctified and purified. Early Christians prayed together. Turn over to Acts. Let's look at a couple examples of that. Acts chapter, let's start with Acts chapter 12. look at verse 5 there this is a powerful passage right here something we should ponder many times especially if we're trying to understand what God wants from us or how God deals in our lives verse 5 Peter was therefore kept in prison now notice this but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church and when I say constant I truly believe that was going on 24 7 seven days a week and when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two shoulder, soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hand. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him, and did not know that what was done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision. Now that's a, that's a good story. That's an interesting story. That's a story of God intervening in Peter's behalf miraculously. But that first verse, I think, is the key. Constant prayer was offered to God on his behalf. Now I don't know. I, I don't know if God's plan was to free Peter at that moment without the prayer but that was what was going on people were doing that in unison in harmony together we've talked about this before imagine I don't know one of our ministers was put in prison for something that he didn't do or for speaking out against the world because you know the world is beginning to attack things like that you hadn't noticed what would happen if we all were in prayer together 24 7 seven days a week for him to be freed do you believe something might happen we have scripture that says it could interesting concept right prayer together in times of trouble perhaps made things happen turn over to chapter 20 there in Acts let's read another thing <coughs> beginning in verse 36 uh, this is when Paul had called for the elders from Ephesus to come over so he could speak with them and when he had said these things he knelt down and prayed with them all then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him Sorrowing most of all for the good for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. 
Another time we need to be praying is in times of departure, especially when brethren are departing from each other, that they will be safe, that they will be healthy, but also that the work of God will continue on. And so there might be a kind of a sweet sorrow there, and you can see that played out in those verses from the elders weeping over Paul because they know he's leaving and they're going to see him no more. I mean, can you imagine? I know some of you had to do that. Good friend, good brother, sister that departed, knowing you're probably never going to see him again. Yeah, I know we've got phones and Facebook and all this stuff today. Paul didn't have that. We can kind of keep in touch. But that's a time of prayer. A time of a relationship is kind of ending, right? That's tough. And God wants you to pray during that time as the, as the elders and Paul did as he was leaving. We get immediate blessings when God's people pray. That fellowship, of course, together. And that strength we get in times of need, times of trouble, times of departure. And praying with each other should be done whenever possible. So, kind of like, well, we should pray when we're alone. We should pray when we're together. Really, we should pray all the time, right? And we should be living a life that is in a prayer, you might say. A sense of praying constantly. Yeah, we're not, we're not on our knees all the uh, 24 hours a day in constant prayer, but we have a life that's lived in a relationship with the Father that our mindset is on things above, right? That's one of the things that prayer life does for you. And the more you do it, the more your mindset is where? Things above. So in a way, you're living a life of constant prayer. Maybe that's not the best way to phrase it, but that's something that comes out of that, that strength we get, right? And then, of course, as we pray and study, we're able to discern truth, right? We're able to see things that are going on in the world that we know are not right. And we get the strength to preach the gospel. We get the strength to go out and seek those who are lost, share the good news with them, speak out against sin, speak out against things that are not true, speak out against the world. That's part of it. Praying is something we should do whenever possible. Well, in the Lord's Prayer, we find a lot of things that we should pray about. Uh, we find things in the Scripture that we should pray about, too, in other Scriptures. And let's talk a little about what that is, right, for what we need to pray. Of course, there in Matthew 6, he, we refer to the physical needs, right, and we're praying for ourselves, perhaps. And we're talking about that's something we, we should do. Of course, that's not the only thing we should do, but when we're in need, we should be asking God for help. For our physical needs, give us today our daily bread, right? For personal growth and Christ-likeness, uh, we need to be asking God to help us to grow spiritually, being more like Christ, being a disciple. That's what a disciple is, right? Following him in his footsteps, being like him. We should be asking him for help with our families, our spouses, our children, parents, siblings, 
They need to be able to grow as well. We need help in our relationships with them. And I know many of you have family members who are not in the church, right? Maybe they were and they've fallen back. Maybe they've never obeyed the gospel. And so that's something we need to be in prayer about, particularly folks in our families. What else? How about the community? We need to pray for our communities that peace might prevail, that our communities would be a place where we can go out in public and talk about Christ without fear. The idea that the community sees our brotherhood, our church here, as a light shining in the darkness, willing to help those who are in need, right? need to pray about that. Of course, we need to pray for the church, for love and unity prevail. For John 13, remember what Jesus said, they will know you by what? By your love for each other. Now, I think this congregation is very good about taking care of each other. I've seen some things firsthand that blew my mind, and I'm sure it would you, and I'm sure some of you have seen that. But that's how the world is going to know about you, is because you have that special love for each other, a love that the world doesn't get. How about for spiritual growth of each member? We need to be praying for that, not just for ourselves, but each member of the church. They might continue to be fed spiritually, not just physically. And for the gospel to have free course. Let's read a verse on that. Go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's see something that's said there in that letter. <clears throat> Paul says in verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. You see, we should be praying that the gospel can be preached. And that's not necessarily just by us, by those we support, by those in the world who are willing to go and can go, that it has free course. It's not hindered. It's not oppressed. That's something we need to continue to pray about. How about our nation? Should we be praying for our leaders? Hmm. Well, yeah. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 14. Read something there. Chapter 14 and verse 34. It says, righteousness exalts a nation, hmm. but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. That's a proverb that says nations need righteousness. Think, well, you know, who's in control of the world? Who really is in control of the nations? Well, it's God. You know, we can talk about the, that Satan is the, you know, he rules the world. He, he's here on earth seeking for him he can devour. But God is really in control. And guess what? He brings nations up and he brings them down. You can read that in Daniel. 
And you know what? If he's not in control, <laughs> do we really have any hope? Yeah. We need to be in prayer for our nation, for the leaders to rule wisely. Paul said that to Timothy in chapter 2. Pray for those who rule over you. We need our leaders to be seeking out the will of God. Just as we're doing that in our prayer life, we need to be praying that our leaders will do the same. How about non-believers? Turn over to Romans chapter 10. Let's see what Paul says there. In verse 1 he says brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to the knowledge for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes we need to be praying for those who do not believe for nations who do not seek the truth, seek God. Paul is saying, Christ is the truth. Yes, ma'am. Romans 10, I'm sorry. Beginning verse 1 and through about 5 there. Yes. We need to be prayer nations and for non-believers. When those who are willing to go out and teach. And for us to have the strength to do that ourselves. How about the sick? Of course, we've read this before, but turn over to James chapter 5 and see what James had to say about the sick. Chapter 5, verse 13. <clears throat> he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with the whole in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven confess your sins or confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much we need to be in prayer for the sick and we're, we do a good job of that especially those who are here that are part of this fellowship right and, and friends and family of those that are here. We do a good job of praying for them. That's something we need to be doing constantly. That they might be healed, that they might be comforted, that they might recover and be back with us. But we always know that God's will will be done. And we may not always get the answer we want, but we need to be in prayer for them constantly. How about the poor and oppressed? such as the homeless, the fatherless, those who are oppressed by other nations, by rulers, or those who are over them. You know, we got it pretty good in the U.S. Yeah, we, we're, we're seeing things in, the, in our nation now that seem to be going against what we know to be true. But we got it pretty good compared to most of the rest of the world especially when it comes to our freedom to practice our religion, practice our faith the way we want to. You ever gone on a mission trip somewhere? Maybe to a third world country and seen how people live there? Let me tell you something. 
you think you got it bad, go to Central America, Nicaragua. Um, I want to say Costa Rica. I think Costa Rica is a little better off than Nicaragua is. What's the country north of Nicaragua? Honduras. Couldn't think of it. You got people that are living in, in shacks with dirt floors, and they think they got it good. And they don't have ways to get the gospel there unless somebody goes and teaches to them, preaches to them. So that's something we need to be in prayer about. And not, that, not just that, but here, here locally, there are a lot of folks that need to hear it that are never going to hear it unless we go out and teach it to them. Yes, sir. I, and that was probably, he said middle class. Yeah, in India, something about an eight-by-eight room with a fire pit in the middle. Yeah. Which in Nicaragua a few years back, and you had people living with a cinder block wall, dirt floor, and the only thing they had, and it was just June, and it was 100 degrees, the community was 100 degrees. The only thing they had to cool anything was they'd run an extension cord from a pole out in the front yard to a fan, plugged into a fan, so they could at least have a little air moving around. Yeah, that was pretty poor, and 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 that was middle class <laughs> in Nicaragua. Yeah, you'd walk around, and kids would be running up to you wanting your pamphlets. Can you imagine doing that here in the U.S.? Never happened, but they wanted to see what you had to say. They were interested. Now maybe they were thinking you had some for them to eat too. I don't know, but they were very much more receptive about. Point being, we need to be in prayer for those who are oppressed, those who don't have it as good as we do. Well, I'm going to finish up here. Give you, give you a little idea. If, you don't, if, your prayer, if you find your prayer life hard to keep going, perhaps it's just all over the place, you can't really set up a, a practice. I ha just a little idea, maybe, is, is to start something this week. And use a strategy like, and, and you got this in your outline too here, you know, so it doesn't maybe become so monotonous or something that you put on the back burner. But on Monday, maybe you pray for family, you know, those in your immediate family, those who, who are in physical uh, and, and need spiritual growth or whatever. And then maybe Tuesday, you pray about the church for the members of our congregation, just like we talked about. Maybe on Wednesday, it's the community for the leaders and your neighbors. And your neighbors, we need to be praying for our neighbors. And then perhaps Thursday for the nation, for our elected officials and, and their efforts to bring peace and righteousness. Uh, Friday might be the world, of course, for world peace, which, you know, we're never going to have. But you can pray for it. It should be something that is in your mind. And then all, and also for nations that are close to the gospel. Praying that something's going to, that God will intervene somehow and allow it to be preached to some of those nations that you can't get in. And maybe Saturday you're praying for the afflicted, for the sick, for the homeless, jobless, those in prison, those who are sick, for widows, single mothers, fatherless children. Something to get you going, right? And that's just an idea. Perhaps you might have something you need simpler. Maybe morning you're praying about, you know, I don't know, family. Noon you're praying for others in your neighborhood or the church. And evening you're praying for uh, community or the sick. And maybe you swap that up each day. 
but something to get you going if your prayer life is lacking. Just an example. An effort that you need to make to make it a daily thing. There's, see, these, are, these are just some suggestions to provide more directions. But you need to develop something that suits your life. You need to make an effort to pray daily. And it needs to become a habit. And not just a rote, monotonous prayer, but going in your room by yourself and getting down on your knees and praying from the heart. There is no greater relationship you'll ever have in your life with that relationship between you and the Father. I know, that's easy to say. But if you're going to have that relationship, you need to talk to him about it. Just like you talk to your spouse or you talk to your best friend. And that's what he wants. You're commanded to do it. Right? Fourth thing is to do it. Always in everything earnestly being vigilant about it without ceasing and you know what if you keep doing it you might get Kyle out of prison one day I'm just joking but you never know right you never know do it that's the old what the Nike phrase just do it yeah just do it and things are going to happen it may not even be initially from the heart but do it. All right. Time's up. Thanks.